Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk? Today, we're going to talk about Cuba is most equal, who knew? Freedom rising up, Australia and France. Amnesty scheme in the infrastructure bill, not kidding you, and why Marxists hate families. And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. Debbie Georgiatis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth. Hello again and welcome to America Can We Talk and to today's First Five. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Does the name Nicole Hannah Jones ring a bell to you? It should. We've talked about her on the show many times. She's the New York Times editor and she's also the founder of what has come to be known as the 1619 Project. And this is a basic project New York Times put together trying essentially to say all of America should rejigger, reconstruct what we think of as the beginning of America. And instead of all of us patriots thinking of 1776 and the Declaration of Independence as the founding of America, they're saying, no, 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 no. Go back to 1619. That is the alleged day, year, date and year, when the first slaves arrived on the shores of America from Africa. And the project is not just simply designed, the 1619 project is not just all about reminding Americans that our country had slavery previously. It is entirely designed through its interpretation and essays they have written and alleged scholars submitting pieces, all designed to not only remind us of the history of slavery, but to posit the argument that America itself, the very identity, the very existence of America, is founded on evil, on racism, that the entire structure of American culture, society, government, and history is premised on evil, hatred, racism. This is the point of the 1619 Project. It is infiltrating the public schools at this point. Some schools have adopted some of the points or the uh, articles that are written for 1619 Project. And the entire purpose is to undermine not just America itself, the country, the culture, the people. It is to posit the argument that the very identity of America, a country rooted in freedom, the ideas of 1776, and the ideas of each of us having rights from our creator simply because we were born, and having a government structured around that to protect the rights of the individual. All of that has to be thrown out as evil, including the idea of freedom, the idea of the rights of the individual, and including the idea of free markets or capitalism. 1619 is one of the many tools the left has in mind to steer America away from our great goodness and down the path of socialism. So it should not surprise you that, the again, the founder of the 1619 Project, Nicole Hannah-Jones, had words of... I just, let, me, let me have Matt the Wonderful play. Let Matt the Wonderful play a short clip. This is from an interview that Nicole Hannah-Jones gave in... Uh, 2019, I think it was, in a, yeah, 2019 interview with Ezra Klein of the National Post. Here's what she had to say. The answer is probably going to be surprising uh, that I'm going to give, which is if you want to see the most equal uh, multiracial, uh, it's not a democracy, <laughs> most equal multiracial country in our hemisphere, it would be Cuba. She goes on the interview, I couldn't stand any more of it, but her point is she's praising Cuba. 
Because in her, as you heard her say, the notion is, well, this is a country where there is the most equality because they, you know, unilaterally on, on almost everyone, the masses of peasants in the country, the overwhelming majority of people in that country have no freedom and no rights. They may have equal amounts of misery, equal amounts of money, limited money, limited access to education, limited access to anything they need, limited access to abundance, prosperity, opportunity, anything that a normal human being wants. In Cuba, the masses, the vast majority of people have nothing like that. They are repressed by the economic system we call socialism and the governmental policy of communism, which is the communists inflict socialism on their people and the communists have utter control over the country. She's praising that because after all they had equality. Never mind actually that Fidel Castro, when he passed away, the founder of communism in Cuba, Fidel Castro, he was a B billionaire when he passed away that in Cuba, the ruling class, the, the current Raul Castro, the ruling class has plenty of money, extra homes, complete freedom to travel anywhere. And that the military right beneath the, the ruling class communists the, uh, the, is the enforcer of the brutality of communism. So the military, they have a little bit more money, a little bit more freedom, a little bit more access to, you know, fairly pleasant housing. But the masses, the masses in Cuba live in abject poverty and misery because socialism, because they are forced to stay that way. They have no ability to get free. They live in an island that is a, that is a fortress they're not allowed to leave. They, get, they will get shot if they try. I mean, this, this and, and they are repressed in the streets. So Cuba, we're seeing this uprising in Cuba. And, you know, at least to the credit of many politicians, they are recognizing that the people of Cuba are standing up for freedom. They want to overthrow communist government. They want to overthrow the tyranny they have lived under now for decades, since 1960. But for leftists like Nicole Hannah-Jones, now to be fair, this statement she made was in 2019, but other left, she has not come out to say, you know, this is great to see the uprising in Cuba. These people want freedom. I stand for freedom. She's not saying that. In fact, the Black Lives Matter Marxist organization issued a statement supportive of the government of Cuba, supportive of the government, not taking the sides of the people in the streets of Cuba demanding freedom. I'll wrap up the first five by saying this. This is a microcosm of the battle we are watching around the world. We are seeing freedom fighters standing up in this world, freedom fighters demanding fairness from the government, equality, not of outcome, but equality of access. They are trying to throw off tyrannical government. So you have a freedom movement happening and in large part it's happening because on the left, in the leftist world, the communist Marxist socialist world, there is an attempt to rise up again. I mean, socialism was pretty much failing in the world. That's why the communism was failing. It's why the wall went down. It's why East Germany became free. It's, it's why Russia finally had to give up on communist death grip control of their society. But if you thought we were done in this world with the leftists who want to control everything, you know, you, you didn't know it was happening, you didn't have your crystal ball wasn't working because where we are today in this world, this battle in Cuba, it's the same battle happening around the world. This notion of whether or not people have the willpower, the backbone, the determination to stand up for freedom, 
or whether they will just continue to submit to government control over their lives and whether in free countries like America and Australia and France and other places we'll talk about today, whether the people recognize the growing tyranny coming out of their government and recognize the need to stand up now. And that, my very fine friends, is today's first five. So I want to turn to about, I was talking about in Australia and France. You know, I will say, um, along with many people, early, early, early on in uh, the dealing with COVID in this, in, in um, 2020, as you know, most people, we heard this thing has came out of China, it's kind of dangerous, it seems to be highly contagious, you know, it's, it's causing death. And so we had a shutdown in America and pretty much everyone went along first two weeks you know, trying to get a handle on what exactly COVID was, trying to understand, you know, how it got here, how we treat it. We had all sorts of massive misfires in America. We had a massive effort to produce a bunch of ventilator machines before the doctors figured out that the ventilators were killing the patients who were suffering from the uh, destruction of their lung tissue due to COVID. I mean, they, they got put on the ventilators and, and it was something like it was under 10% of people in hospitals who had COVID who got put on ventilators who survived. We have at the same time, a growing number of doctors talking about, hey, you know, it looks pretty much like this hydroxychloroquine works pretty well. Looks like budesonide works. Other things could work. You know, we don't have to let everyone suffer in the hospitals. But I'm getting at the point, what people are rising up to recognize now is that COVID policy, COVID policy, the policy governments put in place to deal with COVID is more political than medical, is more about freedom and not freedom than about how do we treat a particular disease, what kind of treatments do we authorize, what kind of care do people need. COVID is a political issue in America and around the world. So I'll tell you two things are happening. One is that in France, and, and you know we've talked about France in the show many times, France is kind of you know pretty far gone social in, in terms of socialism. You know, they pretty much surrendered to a pretty big government control over everything. They have a largely socialist economy, um, even though not that people didn't exactly vote for it, but they've kind of just slowly eased their way into it. But in France, they now have actual protests in the streets as Macron, the uh, French president Emmanuel Macron announced that they're gonna begin having in France, they're going to have COVID passports COVID vaccine passports, meaning you can't get into public buildings and restaurants without proving you're vaccinated. So even in socialist France, where people are largely uh, down the path of succumbing to the government control over pretty much everything, they had a massive rally in the streets of Paris. I sent Matt the wonderful, a very short clip. Here it is. Okay, these are people outside. I didn't write them down the name of it, but one of the major French government buildings uh, in Paris. And the passport that Macron is trying to say they're going to be requiring starting in August is to get into restaurants, theaters, public places. Tourists visiting France starting, to, starting in August are going to have to show proof of vaccination uh, via a digital passport or maybe a negative COVID test. And this is France, people. This is France that has pretty much surrendered to the socialists and they're saying not so fast because they can see the path to tyranny once you agree that COVID passports 
are going to, to be your permission slip to get to go out to dinner. And you know, the same kind of information that you may be learning online about the danger of COVID vaccine, uh, the COVID vaccines, and we're gonna talk about that another day, not today, but the death rates, the, the harm to people uh, who are taking the vaccines in America and around the world, well, these people in France, they read these same, same things. And even though they're kind of used to submitting to whatever the government says, they're saying, uh, no, we're not going along with it. So they've got protests and streets. Gotta love that. Turning to Australia, which we often think, I mean, I, I know for years, many people compared Australia, New Zealand. In fact, sometimes even put them out there in the, in the world of thought as countries that are even more committed to the freedom of the individual than America. I mean, people would say, oh, Australia, that hearty spirit, you know, Australia's history. And actually, Australia was, the, was a, a literally a desert island jail. It is uh, centuries ago when people were really bad news, they wanted to get rid of them from England. They literally dropped off the worst hardened criminals on this Australian island because they couldn't get off. I mean, it was a, so many people would joke over the years, well, yeah, you know, we're descendants from these hardy, tough guys, you know, we're gonna be fighters. So anyway, in Australia, they've had a shutdown. They have a new shutdown starting, uh, new mask mandate, new shutdown starting. And there was the best video, a young woman, a 35 year old young, young woman living in Melbourne, outside of Melbourne, Australia, uh, put up on, I think an Instagram and it has gone viral and it's long. I'm only gonna show you four minutes of it. I, I think it's maybe 15 or 20 minutes, but she's so articulate. And I wanna have you hear what she has to say about how it feels to live in Australia where the government is just deciding once again, they decide they get to make the rules to keep you healthy and you have no choice but to succumb. Listen to our young friend from Australia. I cannot believe I'm about to do this again. I cannot believe we are looking down the barrel of lockdown five. I've already had my cry. I've already had my rage. So now I'm just gonna put it all out as bare and raw as I possibly can so that whoever this reaches, maybe you will understand the implications of these lockdowns. At this point, I feel like an absolute broken record, but I'm gonna say exactly how everyone's feeling because apparently it still hasn't sunk in. Melbourne is about to go into our fifth lockdown. Everyone keeps dismissing it saying it's just three or five days. It's not just three or five days. That's on top of 10 months. Now for context, I'm a sole trader, I work in the creative industry, and I'm single and I live in regional Victoria. All four of those reasons made me ineligible for any support, yet I am the one who has been most impacted. The creative industry has been utterly crushed. We're not allowed to work because we're not essential, so apparently my needing to feed myself is not essential, nor is me being able to pay for the roof over my head. I live in regional, therefore I'm not impacted, but my city, which is just 60 kilometers up the road where all of my work is, is in lockdown. I can't work, but that's okay because I don't live in Melbourne, I live in regional, so therefore no support. I'm a sole trader, so because my business is small, it's insignificant. I would imagine that if anyone were to be impacted by a lockdown, it would be someone who's completely self-reliant the someone who doesn't get a paycheck from a big government organization. 
And then add to that, I'm single, there's no support, right? I'm one person. How many people are like me? Across a state of 6.5 million people. This is lockdown five in a so-called pandemic when no one is in ICU. No one is actually sick. I'm not saying that there's not a virus. I am not saying that there are people who would be more susceptible to getting COVID. What I am saying is these precautions, these lockdowns do not warrant the stress, the destruction, the, the anxiety and the devastation that it's inflicting on 6.5 million people. You've got people living in border towns who have been locked down for almost 40 weeks, split because they can't go across the river where the rest of their family is, or maybe their supermarket is, or their school is, because somehow they fit in some kind of weird red zone. Because our politicians blanket policy everything because it's too hard to sit down and have a rational discussion about what parameters would actually be the right way to respond to what's going on. How can the rest of Australia watch your fellow citizens go through this and turn a blind eye? I'm hoping this video gets out to people, not in Victoria, because you guys all agree with me. We're all on the same page. And those of us, uh, those of you in New South Wales following along are now getting a taste of it and wondering, why is this happening to you guys? What about people in South Australia, Western Australia, Tassie, Queensland to a degree, Northern Territory? Are you gonna literally sit back and watch half of Australia, half of Australia's residents be destroyed by corrupt, imbecilic politicians? Because she got a little uh, feisty with her language after that. I don't blame her in the slightest. But I really wanted you to hear that spirit. She's young, she's, she works hard, she supports herself. She's wanting to support herself and she's utterly outraged. But I really wanna get at this point, I wanna help everyone embrace more. We can get down the path of issue, 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 policy, 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 you know, left versus right, conservative versus liberal. What the debate is in the world today is about whether or not there's a future of freedom whether or not the future of freedom can be protected and, and who's going to protect it? Who's going to do that? Because you hear her describing Australia. I'm going to guess some of the people who ran for government there who are putting these policies in place, they would say, oh yeah, I believe in freedom. But this is what happens anytime there's long-term entrenched power, anytime there is the, a tolerance by the people of a repressive government, the tendency of too many people when they get into power is to move from representing the people and standing up for the values they said they ran on to thinking their job is to first take care of, keep safe, protect the health of the people, and gradually going into to control everything about their lives. Because after all, government knows better. That mentality is not confined to radical uh, leftist communists. That mentality is pervading government in our country. It is pervading even those who put an R by their name that they just think slowly but slowly, we are moving toward the idea that we know better than the average person what they should do and how they should live. And we're just gonna have to control them. 
This freedom movement, obviously, I love it. I'm so grateful for the people who do speak up. And I'm grateful for people like in, on the streets in France saying, we're not going to agree to COVID passports, uh, vaccine passports. No, and we're not going to agree, this young lady in Australia, to the idea the entire country gets shut down. Well, uh, later where she's, one of the points she made is, everybody in the government, everybody making these policies has freedom. They're not controlled by what they're doing to the rest of the people. Another hallmark of tyranny, just like in Cuba. Castro imposed misery on the millions of peasants, never for a moment contemplating that he would impose those same things on himself or his ruling class elite. This is a struggle for the idea of freedom, and it's the idea that it is the idea of the foundation of America, the idea behind the Declaration of Independence, the idea that each of us have rights from our creator because we were born, we have equal rights, and those include life, liberty, actual liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, not a tyrannical government-controlling society. One more thing on COVID I want to mention. i got to move on. Two more stories. but So I saw this great story out of L.A. Now, Los Angeles, California, is about to launch back into lockdown, launch back into mask mandate. And the, the mayor, excuse me, the uh, sheriff in Los Angeles County named Alex Villanueva. Alex Villanueva has announced he is not going to enforce the mask mandate. Mask mandate may already actually be in place now or it's coming up soon. The LA County is saying the mask mandate, every place in public you have to wear a mask. He's saying, this sheriff is saying he will not enforce it. His entire department will not enforce it. He's pushing back against the mayor of Los Angeles. And I assume the city council uh, who backed this He's saying no, and this is part of what needs to happen. It's a peaceful stand-up, but it's saying this guy in L.A., the sheriff, saying no, is not justified by science, which, frankly, if you don't know that by now, you really have no right to make rules for anyone. We've had this whole mask discussion now, mask discussion now, since the early time when Fauci said they were unnecessary, they were, did no good at all, and then he suddenly realized it was a controlled tactic. Oh, yeah, yeah, it does, does really a lot, lot of good. We've had study after study after study pointed out before COVID came along and even during COVID, it does masks do not protect you from spreading or contracting COVID. And therefore they are useless. And yet you have the government. And even if you say, well, they're getting worried in LA and they're thinking, well, we might have a slight spike in cases. So, you know, we're gonna just to be safe. The idea that somebody in government thinks it's his or her job to tell the people of Los Angeles or anywhere else that you're going to do what we think which makes no sense, which science says makes no sense, which doctors tell you makes no sense. We're gonna make you do it. And because you were stupid enough to elect us, you're forced to just suffer. So I love this. Uh, I will point out one last point about this sheriff before I move on to my next story. I, I know one impetus he has, one reason that he is willing to say not enforcing the mask mandate because he's an elected official, because he's up for re-election next year, 2022. He's up, and you gotta know, this guy, he's more tuned in to the people, recognizing they do not wanna have mandates from the government, and I'm telling you, the idea of elected officials feeling the pressure of the public to change their positions all over the place, exactly what's happening. Yeah, I, I mean, all, the idea that the people are pushing back against the government 
is helping in Los Angeles County, Alex Villanueva, Los Angeles sheriff, um, County Sheriff saying, you know what, mm, not doing this, not, not, not putting this in place. So love that story. And I, you know, I often on this show talk about the larger point of my show. The point of my show, I mean, I, as you know, I don't, I don't discuss the Dallas Cowboys or, or any other sports teams, unless it's a political story. Uh, I don't have any, I, I don't do kind of, you know, random stories that are just kind of in the news, but irrelevant. My entire focus, the reason I do this show, is to speak up for, to articulate better, to explain better, to lay out examples of the idea that this is a country rooted and grounded in the freedoms described in the Declaration of Independence. And the core notion that each individual has rights from God, rights from our Creator, and the government, no matter how much they think we're doing the wrong things and they don't want to, you know, they don't like what we're doing, they don't have the right to control your life. And if you don't stand up and defend your liberty, when now at this point, as the left is growing in power in America and growing in its influence, it, it, encouraging other Americans to attack each other, if you don't stand up now, you, know, I mean, you, might, you just might find it's, a little, it, it's too late later. Too much of our society, culture, government, history, laws have just gone along with the presumption of the right of the government to control the people rather than the presumption of the right of the individual to live in freedom. So it is time to, I am advocating peacefully, but, but strongly, stridently, repeatedly standing up for the idea that in America, the individual is, has the right to live in freedom and has the right to speak up against a government that is becoming tyrannical. Okay, so, um, you know, I got to tell you, this is kind of an amazing thing. It's amnesty, uh, two things happening in Washington. And I don't want to mention very quickly, you may remember when um, Obama ran and he said, you know, he ran on the first time, ran in 2008, became president in 2009. In the very first two years when Obama was president, so we have a Democrat in the White House, uh, and Democrat-controlled Senate and Democrat-controlled House is when the Democrats put through Obamacare. Polling at the time, as I told you over and over on my show, it's in my book too, polling at the time said the majority of Americans, including the majority of Democrats, did not want socialized medicine in America, did not want Obamacare to pass. And I'm reminding you of that because I want you to get the idea when leftists get power they are never ever going to move to miss out on any opportunity to push their basic agenda which is to control the people leftists strive for power they strive to control the people they strive to control every aspect of your life and when they have power they will seize on it and use it especially when a crisis happens and they can offer manufactured crisis as Obama did back when Obamacare passed, you know, parading stories across uh, stages in front of media about a family where the healthcare system has somehow failed them or their child or their mother or something. I'm not saying those cases weren't true, but they were used to manipulate the American people into thinking, wow, we have a terrible healthcare system. This is awful. Look how bad. Instead of recognizing we had the best healthcare system on earth because freedom, because government wasn't in control of it, because we had free markets and freedom. I'm not saying there was no government control, but the notion of taking over the healthcare system was utterly unjustified. 
by the majority views of the polling of the people and utterly unjustified by the condition of our healthcare system at the time. But now move forward and recognize where we are. We're once again in a place where we have Democrats controlling the White House, a you know bare Democrat majority in the U.S. House, but they have a majority. And in the Senate, this famous 50-50 split, we are, we are literally at a place in the United States Senate where we have 50 Dems, 50 Republicans, broadly speaking, and then we have the tiebreaker. You know, a tiebreaker is always that the Constitution provides uh, the president of the Senate, who is whoever is in the vice presidency. So Kamala Harris, you know, she's the president of the Senate, president of the Senate, and she's a tiebreaking vote. So we have a slim, slim majority, uh, a slim, slim majority, I guess you call it that, in the, in the, even in the Senate for the Republicans. We have some, but we have some, Dem excuse me, for the Democrats. So we have some Democrats who are kind of the bulwark, kind of the standing up um, for uh, stopping the tyranny that the left is trying to bring to America. And understand, leftism is always about controlling you. They can sell you their ideas. They're trying to help you, take care of you, make life better, make life fairer. They've always got an argument that if you just let them control everything, then everything will be fine. I mean, they, at this point, they are selling Marxism in America as fairer. But back to what's happening now in the Senate. So two things that are, you know, literally Democrat slash Marxist slash socialist agenda items. I mean, they, they drool for this. They want this more than anything. One is amnesty for the millions of people in America who entered our country illegally, have no legal right to be here. I'm not even just talking about DACA. I'm talking about the whatever the number is, and the estimates range from 12 million to 25 million or more, people living in America with no legal right to be here, living in the shadows, protected by sanctuary cities and states. And the Democrats want to give them all amnesty, give them citizenship. And again, I think that every individual, if they got a fair presentation, an honest presentation by conservatives, patriots, constitution, freedom-loving people, and a presentation by an honest presentation by the leftists. We want to control every aspect of your life and everything you do and your healthcare system, where you live, how you're educated, how you, where you can eat, what you can eat. I mean, most people would choose freedom. I truly believe that if they could understand the actual choices. But in this country, you have as a growing leftist control over the media, education, uh, Hollywood, you have leftism sold to the people, especially the uneducated, ignorant masses. You have them sold. Leftists are the ones who care. They're going to give you free health care and free housing and free food and free everything else. And so understand the Democrats want amnesty because they are buying Democrat votes. It's not out of sympathy for those who are here. It's not out of compassion for the uh, difficult lives people led in other countries before they came here illegally. It's utterly and solely a raw political calculation. The Democrats think that they can give amnesty and therefore voting rights to every legal alien or even just those stuck in the DACA, you know, kind of... Um, you know, middle zone, you know, probationary state, the law, the, the zone that's kind of um, nebulous right now, the DACA people, even giving those people citizenship and therefore voting rights, they see as a net political gain for the Democrats. It's what's on their minds. So turning to what's happening, Senator Dick Durbin uh, has confirmed, has now actually admitted the Democrats are going to try to put the amnesty bill, put their amnesty plan 
into the infrastructure bill. And this infrastructure thing is the most misused word, I mean, in political history. Infrastructure, and the average Joe American thinks, oh, good, we have that bridge down the road needs fixing. Yeah, you know, we have potholes. Yeah, we need to work on uh, the railroad in our area. You think infrastructure, and you think, you know, what it used to mean. Infrastructure is just simply a large garbage bag of things that the left can throw in, throw in, well, as long as we're at it, you know, we're going to do infrastructure, we can throw this in, throw this in, throw this in. They actually are admitting that they're going to try to get the amnesty plan passed in the infrastructure bill. Infrastructure also, by the way, is allegedly going to be the home of the, uh, the Green New Deal. And I don't want to get in the details of this process much today, as I want to make the point Leftists never tell you when they are campaigning what they're going to do. Even with all of the apparent um, election integrity issues, vote fraud issues of 2020, if Biden and the Democrats in the Senate and the Democrats in the House ran on saying, hey, America, vote for us, we're going to give amnesty to everybody or we're going to give amnesty to everybody who's here on DACA and we're going to work toward amnesty for the rest, they know they wouldn't win. The American people do not want blanket amnesty. We learned that lesson back in 1986 with Ronald Reagan. All blanket amnesty does, besides make a whole bunch of new citizens who tend to vote Democrat because they would think government is about giving them free things, and it encourages the next millions and millions of people around the world to come to America. America already learned this lesson. And at least for Americans old enough to remember this, they understand amnesty is just a signal to the rest of the world. Come on in, eventually you'll get citizenship. So Durban's has announced, Durban has announced they're gonna stick the amnesty plan into the infrastructure bill. And I wanna say something else. I mean, I, I talked about how the Democrats don't run on these things. The Democrats know the American people don't want this. I mean, there's some subset, some small minority subset in America that might say, sure, give them all amnesty, DACA, everybody, sure. It's not the majority American. It's not the majority of Americans. And it's not the Americans who work hard and pay taxes who are wanting this. This is the left doing a raw political calculation that they essentially lied by omission to the American people by not telling them they're going to do amnesty as soon as they can. And then when they have the opportunity, they just go for it. They just plain old go for it. And they think the American people are just going to, you know, maybe they won't like it. Maybe they'll go, hey, you can't do that. But what happens then? Suppose they do this. Suppose they get this amnesty in and it somehow passes the House and Senate, and, and Biden signs it. And you all of a sudden have, I don't know, the DACA people only, some larger subset citizens. So then we come up, let's say, for example, in 2022, you have elections, and the Republicans take the majority in the House and the majority in the Senate. Does anyone think that that Republican majority has any ability to undo this? They don't. If the law passes and these people get citizenship, there's nothing the Republican majority can do in the future. This is designed to be done. This is a short, must-do list, short list, 
cannot let it go since the Democrats have power idea, which is to force immigration. Uh, they, they try to call it immigration reform. Immigration update is flat out amnesty. They know it, you know it, and the Republicans know it. And the question is, can we stall long enough to prevent this from getting into a law because Biden will sign it. Uh, not that he knows what he's doing, but someone tell him he should sign it and he will. And this is where we are. And this is how, I want you to understand, this is how leftists seize power. They lie by omission, the campaign. They push it through the moment they get the chance and they'll even take the repercussions. Even if the American people are mad, uh, leftists, Marxists, socialists, they play the long game. They recognize the American people might get mad at them and say, hey, wait a minute, you know, you, you didn't run on this. We don't want this. What are you doing? But once it's in law, it's in law. And you know what? It's going to stay there. And we're going to then deal with the consequences. On a similar note, so the MC plans one thing. On a similar note, Amy Klobuchar, the Democrat senator from Wisconsin, who was on the you know, the stage, all the other Democrats running for president uh, back in 2020. Yeah, 2020, I had to think about that. She didn't run in 2016, maybe she did too. Anyway, she, you know, she who would be president. She's a you know, total Marxist leftist. She's also proposing that the voting rights, when they call it voting rights, they mean permanent mandate of election fraud. They mean permanent voting theft, permanent election theft. What they want in Washington, as we've been over on the show enough times, the whole For the People Act is the actual intentional theft of the American election system, putting it under the control of Congress, taking away the state's uh, constitutional obligation and right to conduct their elections in their states, mandating all sorts of techniques everybody and their brother on both sides of the aisle understands are techniques designed to not just permit, foment and mandate election fraud. That's what's in that bill. Klobuchar knows it. Biden knows it. Everybody knows it. But she is proposing. Klobuchar saying, hey, you know, while we're at it, we ought to put voting rights in the, uh, as a, in the reconciliation bill as, in her terms, as a form of election infrastructure. I'm raising his points to tell you, my very fine friends, that these are serious, serious things, serious times. The left always seizes more power every chance they get. There was that famous statement about don't let a good crisis go to waste. And it was, you know, the idea that anytime something bad happens, the left is not about the idea of let's figure out how to solve this. How do we help the victims? How do we prevent this from happening in the future? You know, what, what do we do to, to fix the situation? That's not the leftist mindset. The leftist mindset is if something bad happens, it's an opportunity to expand government control over freedom in this country. It's the entire purpose of what the Democrat Party does. It looks for reasons, excuses, and bases to argue to the American people that all this stuff about freedom and the founders and giving us freedom and rights from God, that's all a bunch of, bunch of you know, silly, antiquated ideas. Old school, don't belong here anymore. You may recall Obama when he was running. No, it was when he was running for Senate, I think. Uh, maybe even when he was running for state senate. In any case, many years ago, Obama's being interviewed, young, smug, intellectual, and at his comment about the United States Constitution, which is designed to protect the freedom of the individual, the entire purpose is to protect freedom so we don't live under tyranny. 
is to protect individuals with the tyranny of government. But Obama's language, his answer on live television to a reporter was he didn't like the Constitution because it was a charter of negative liberties. I think he thought if he voice it in kind of a contorted way, a contorted sentence structure and use of words that were longer than one syllable that people might not realize that he was saying. What he's complaining about is the Constitution protects the individuals and he's mad about that because he wants the Constitution to authorize government control over individuals. That's what he was saying and that mindset is a socialist, Marxist, communist mindset he still holds, the left has embraced, and that's what the American left stands for today. It is the idea they're so aggravated um, on the um, they're so aggravated by everything that's happening in America because they're seeing people rise up and challenge their power. They can't stand it. Before I get to my last topic, I got I, this is a very very important topic, but the last topic is kind of an emotional topic. So I'm, before I hit that, I want to tell you several really really important things. One is. I am, we, America Can We Talk, are hosting our second annual America Can We Talk Women for Freedom Summit. It's on September 18th. Mark your calendars, Saturday, September 18th. We did one last year, it was at South Fork Ranch. This year is going to be right in Dallas, very convenient, bigger venue, fabulous venue. And, it, and uh, we'll have the tickets available shortly on our website, americacanwetalk.org americacanwetalk.org. We're going to have fabulous speakers. And as you might imagine, a conference that I organized, it's all about preserving freedom in America. Great speakers come in. We have Dr. Kelly Ward, who is an Arizona GOP chair. She is going to be able to tell us, I hope, the real uh, ins and outs and outcome of the Arizona audit, which if you haven't been hearing little whispers here and there, it appears in Arizona, they have a huge problem with election integrity, just recounting Maricopa County, many other states now talking about recounting. So she's going to be here. Katie Hopkins, internationally known business. She is a businesswoman. She's a commentator. And I would describe her. She's kind of a commentator on the idea of, you know, what is it you do to preserve Western civilization? We have Carrie Lake coming. She is the Arizona former newscaster who uh, just resigned in frustration over the bias that she found in media. She's been doing television news in Arizona for years and she resigned and she called out the bias there. She's now a candidate for governor uh, in the great state of Arizona. Gordon Chang, a, a just phenomenal expert about China and China's mission to control America, take away freedom of America. In many ways are doing that. Um, Seth Keschel is coming to, uh, he is a, if you haven't heard him yet, follow him on Telegram. He, oh, he's coming on the show tomorrow. Seth Keschel is a guy, he's going to talk about just the overwhelming statistical information that he will lay out that makes it abundantly clear that there are major, major, major um, inconsistencies, shortcomings, challenges in the 2020 uh, elections. And he lays it out just statistically. Um, if you saw the one video online of a woman, she's a Chinese woman who testified in a Virginia school board meeting and she stood up to say, uh, to speak against critical race theory and to say, you know what, what critical race theory is, is just like Mao Zedong. She said, I live through the cultural revolution. I recognize what you're doing. I recognize how evil this is. She's coming. Her name is Z, X-I, how it's spelled, Z Van Fleet. She's coming, can't wait to have her. 
Jessica Vaughn, fabulous expert from the Center for Immigration Studies about the real truth about how generous and wonderful America's immigration policy is and how it's been overwhelmed by the abandonment of the southern border. Victor Avila been on the show before. He's going to talk about the actual situation at the America's southern border. Tina Ramirez, uh, who's been on the show numerous times also, she's a Virginia woman, a, a, a candidate for U.S. Congress, uh, amazing life story, um, and also someone who can speak about critical race theory on a personal level in her school uh, district. Uh, and we also have, as a total uh, fun entertainment thing, A.F. Bronco. We have three or four more people probably coming to speak that day, September 18th. But A.F. Bronco, if you ever see like the best political comics, cartoons, comics, online, like on all the websites that have political comics, A.F. Bronco is the one who does those. And he has a new book coming out of his best of, but they're, they're all so hilarious and they're also insightful. Uh, and he also plays guitar and, and sings. So he's kind of the entertainment at the end of the day. We're gonna have a great time. Keep watching our website. Keep checking out americacanwetalk.org. We'd love to have you come to our conference. You will love it. We will love it. We'll have a great day. I've been saying to people who are helping out, it's a conference for thinkers, leaders, and doers. Thinkers, leaders, and doers. And I hope that each of you looks into coming. Love to have you. Okay. And by the way, the Thursday show. So Thursday is our members only show. Thursday this week, a um, couple days from now. Uh, three days from now, we have Lieutenant Colonel Alan West joining me in studio. It's for members only. If you're not a member, it's about time you join, okay? Go to americacanwetalk.org. On the homepage, under, just click on members across the top. Up pops the page. Join. It is a mere $5 a month, $50 a year. $50 a year, and you get access to our weekly Thursday shows for members only. Since the last time Alan West was here which I, I remember April maybe or anyway, whenever it was, he has now declared he is running for Texas governor. He's running, he's challenging in a primary, our existing, our, our sitting Texas governor, uh, Greg Abbott, and um, he's running in the primary. There are two other people also in the Republican primary challenging Governor Abbott. Um, and one of them, Senator Don Huffines, will be on our show on Wednesday, two days from now. He's going to come in and talk about his race for governor. So. You ought to join America Can We Talk. And while you're there at that homepage, americacanwetalk.org, hit subscribe. You get a once weekly newsletter. You'll love it. I want to leave time to hit my last topic. At least I'm, I'm going to touch on this last topic and have to come back to it other days because I, I, um, it's a very emotional topic. But I, I want to talk about families in America and what's happening with families. There is a piece, an article, top left, you know, main, you know biggest article, uh, central article on the American Thinker website today. And it's called, Parents Parents Canceled by Their Own Children. I cannot urge you strong enough to read it. If you go to our website, americacanwetalk.org, on the homepage, under shows, drop down list of links. We put this link up, you can read this, and I urge you to do it. And I want to just tell you what this, this mom is talking about. She's talking about being a conservative and how, you know, she had a love, she and her husband had a lovely family. They raised their kids, loved their kids, gave them everything they could, knocked themselves out to do what parents, you know, if you're a parent, you know, you do everything you can think of to give your children the best life you can, including not just giving them everything, all the goodies they want, but teaching, imploring, you know, taking them to church, 
teaching them about the importance of faith, teaching them about the idea of prayer, teaching them about the idea of rights from God. All, I mean, parents do teaching. They try to impose or, or impart to their kids a sense of personal responsibility, morality, all the things parents do. They knock themselves out to produce, at the end of the childhood, young people who are ready to deal with the world. This is what parents do. Now, I recognize every family isn't perfect, and some families have a lot of struggles, but millions of families in America do this and have done this since the founding of our country, have viewed their role, parents have viewed their role in rearing children, instructing, educating, loving, listening, being patient, helping, encouraging, all the things you do, you view it as your most important job because you end up imparting values to your kids. I call this segment Why Marxists Hate Families because there is an epidemic in this country, not COVID, there's an epidemic in this country of families torn apart. Families torn apart because young adults in this country, having gone through the public education system, the universities and colleges that have been infected, invaded, infected with leftism and leftist thinking, and that has made its way into this next generation of young people. And part of what has been encouraged and just, or say it that way, part of what has been demeaned and diminished by the Marxist ideology is the core importance of families. The idea of how central and integral families are to a civil society, to a structured and ordered and civil society. Families are the place where kids learn values. They're the place where kids learn that you are loved. They learn that you need to give love in the world. You need to be a generous person and a good person. You, you learn these values from their, your parents. And many values that children are taught in America, in American families, including the imparting of Christian faith and Jewish faith, and just imparting of faith, imparting of ideas, that aspect of family, the idea that families are the, are, are the you know, ground zero for imposing and perpetuating love of America, love of freedom, love of the founding ideas, love of God, love of faith, all of that, that central role of families interferes with the Marxist agenda now rampaging through America on steroids. The American Marxist left, and by that I mean the anti-American left, taken control of most of the, the upper echelons of leftism in this country, they cannot tolerate families because families are a protection against, a wall against, a, a wall of separation that keeps the Marxist from, from attacking and invading and, and bringing, to, uh, bringing Marxism and all the government-controlled society and policy they want to bring. Families' values taught to children get in the way of the Marxist trying to bring America around, away from freedom and to Marxism. 
So back to this posting. It's a very emotional posting. I mean, really, this woman pours her heart out, basically saying, you know, we did everything we could think of raising our kids. We loved them. We taught them as well as we could. We gave them everything we could, you know, we, I mean, you have to read it yourself. She also talks about, and I'm going to touch on this other days, because I'll tell you people, I, I get letters from listeners all the time. I mean, not letters, emails and comments. I get emails saying things like, you know, my adult children don't speak to me. Once Trump won and they knew I voted for Trump, they stopped speaking to me. My adult children, this article talks about, in her case, her children completely cut her and her husband off as of January 6th. As of January 6th, the incident at the Capitol. And the parents were not at the Capitol, the, parent, the women who wrote this article, they're not at the Capitol, they condemned the violence, they weren't even there, and yet their kids, that incident, and that, that what happened in her family was that incident caused her kids to blame her and everyone who ever liked Trump, everyone who supported Trump, everyone who's on the American right was responsible for this insurrection and we're gonna lose the country over it. These kids actually thought that was true. I mean, the, her children and frankly, sadly, millions of other not ungrounded young adults actually think that's true. And they think it justifies outrage against their parents and never speaking to the parents again. And this phenomenon I'm describing, this one lady wrote it down, I'm telling you, it's happening to at least tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, and perhaps even millions of families in America. And you have to understand this is intentional by the American left. This is intentional. Young people think they're so wise and so insightful and I get it and I'm standing up and I'm cutting off ties with my family and they think they're leaders. They think they're, wow, I'm really standing up. All They are manipulated, to use Lenin's term, useful idiots. They're easily being manipulated by the left using January 6th and using their, more broadly speaking, using their leftist mentality to divide families, to turn children against their adult parents. Even as I say in this case, the parents weren't there on January 6th. They condemned the violence. I, mean, I have nothing to do with it. But I, I want to raise this to say, number one, this lady talks about you know all the emotional trauma they've gone through. And then she said they've been praying and praying and praying. I really do urge everyone to pray for this country and pray for the reunification of families and pray for the light to go on and pray for people to see the truth that there was not an insurrection on January 6th. This Marxist movement has taken over the left and they see an advantage. They see another way to seize power, another way to divide America, another way to, for them to grow in power by falsely claiming to the American people that January 6th was an insurrection. They know it wasn't, but they, they see it as an advantage. They see it as some, a, a storyline to push, a narrative to push to divide American families and to grasp hold of those young people who get sucked in then to the Marxism these people are trying to bring to America. I'm out of time for today. I have to be very, very um, careful today on uh, staying close on time. So we'll talk more about families. If your family is going through this, God bless you. 
If your family is going through this, email me at americacanwetalk at gmail.com. I will never share your name, but I am trying to compile these stories in part because I want American fam families and parents to realize, you know, you're not alone and, and this isn't your fault. It isn't because you did a bad thing as, as parents, as when your kids were growing up, or as adults, it's not your fault. This is a Marxist movement duping young people, and the notion that you have people who care, people going through the same thing, people who are trying to help lift up America to see the truth, I, I think it could be helpful to people to understand that. So email me if you'd like to about what's happening in your family if you want. And now I got to go right now to the story to I do at the end of every show, which is tell you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So we start out today talking about Cuba, most equal, who knew? 1619 Project founder says Cuba was the, is the most equal society in the Western Hemisphere. She's a product of false, absurd teaching, living in a bubble of ivory tower imagination. <clears throat> the joy of freedom and individuality are of no importance and they're non-existent in Cuba. Equality of economic status is all that matters to her simple mindset. But here is Castro's real Cuba. Castro himself di um, died as nearly a billionaire. Cuba military is taken care of. Remaining Cubans, the vast majority are peasants sharing equal misery. Poverty and repression abound. Socialism is an ugly, godless fraud that has produced misery everywhere. It is antithetical to America as founded and must be rejected and ejected from America. Freedom rising up, Australia and France. New Australian lockdown spurs poignant video from a 35-year-old Australian woman. Where is Western-style freedom allowed? When is Western-style freedom allowed to resume? When did authoritarian, totalitarian government gain the people's consent to rule? French take to the streets. The French, of all people, take to the streets, opposing Macron's mandate of vaccine passports. L.A. County Sheriff facing re-election says, mm, no thanks on the mask mandate. No science. Why are the vaccines, the masks, and the lockdowns being pushed so hard when COVID recovery rate is still at 99.8 plus percent, practically of no risk to children? CDC reports 10,991 deaths from vaccines, from these vaccines as of July 18th, and some believe this was willfully understated. People around the world are waking up on the amnesty scheme and infrastructure. De <clears throat> Democrat uh, Senator Durbin says Democrats will put amnesty in the infrastructure bill. Democrat Senator Klobuchar says Democrats could put federal election takeover in the infrastructure bill. Dems would never openly campaign for either of these positions. They know they would lose elections because American people don't support them. Yet when Dems have power, they jam these ideas down the throat of the people just like Obamacare. This is not, this is not consent of the governed. Are Democrats trying to provoke a rebellion? Some people think so. To what end? Ruling without the consent of the governed is anti-American. Submission is surrender to tyranny. And finally, why Marxists hate families. Read this American thinker piece, parents canceled by their own children. Heartbreaking, this is an epidemic across America. It's not an accident, it is a plan by the left. This is the poison of godless Marxism. Family destruction is the goal. Leftism in our schools, universities, media, etc., is the means. The good news is millions of American adults are waking up, rising up, speaking up, and praying as never before. This Marxist poison can be expunged. It is not natural or normal. Americans must keep standing up. Strong, united, and loving families are worth fighting for. And that, my very fine friends, is America Can We Talk for today. Thank you so very much for tuning in every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time to America Can We Talk, where I always talk truth about America because America matters. And I'll talk to you next time.
Can we talk truth about America? Can we talk?